0: Welcome to episode 182 of the Actual Astronomy Podcast. I'm Chris and joining me is Shane. We are amateur astronomers who love looking up at the nighttime sky and this podcast is for anyone else who likes going out under the stars. Before we get into this podcast, Shane, I think we have a thank you to uh, to send out to uh, a new Patreon supporter in, in the UK. Go for yeah, it.
1: yeah. Mark N, thank you very much uh, for your Patreon support. Uh, we've had a, a wave of Patreons, uh, new Patreon supporters over the last month and uh, we thank everybody and uh, we always like to announce it on air when, when a new one comes through. Um, so yeah, again, just thanks for helping us cover the costs. And, uh, you know, m- seconds ago, Chris and I were just talking, uh, <laughs> we're, we're going to meet on Wednesday here of this week to talk a little bit about some, some enhancements or, or different things we can do. And uh, we're, we're pretty excited for all of it. So, so more news to come on that front. But uh, again, thanks, Mark, for, uh, for supporting us. Yeah,
0: thanks so much, Mark. And then also we uh, we had plenty of, of Christmas greetings and holiday wishes. Yeah. Yeah. That was
1: kind of nice. More, I think I actually got more through the actual astronomy <laughs> inbox than I did from family members. So <laughs> I did.
0: I did for sure. There was a lot though. Like I was pretty surprised. Yeah.
1: yeah. It was pretty cool.
0: I, I, I mean, you know, thanks. Thanks everybody who, who sent those along. I think if we were to list them though, we'd be here for a little while. Um, and that's, that's really appreciated. That's really nice. You know, I'm actually people don't know. I'm sort of in a way like kind of stuck um, here. Not that I'm stuck here, um, but because of the pandemic, my my original thoughts maybe were were to uh, to travel to see some some family. Have family uh, out west here. Have family out east. And uh, nope, um, I'm stuck here too due to the new uh, Omicron variant. So uh, yeah, really nice to get this because it's kind of been a bit bit of a downer. Haven't seen any family in two years as of like next week or something. <laughs> so it's rough. Yeah. 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 yeah that's, uh, that's,
1: oh gee, you know, hopefully we're out of this, this year, but I guess who knows.
0: Yeah. And if we're not, um, it's Shane's fault. All yeah. right. So we're recording this on boxing day. How was your Christmas Shane? It was really good. I had Turkey two
1: days in a row. Uh, yeah. Christmas Eve with my family, Christmas day with Jessica's family. Um, it was really nice. It was nice to like, you know, you just mentioned not seeing family for two years last year. We didn't see anybody face to face. You know, we had some virtual, uh, meetups last Christmas, but it was really nice to get together again, because a lot of these folks I really haven't seen since, uh, you know, the start of the pandemic, yeah, and it was nice. Uh, it felt good, um, but with this Omicron variant and and sort of the timing in our province, like it, it I think the Omicron is just kind of showing up now. So this is probably it for us for a little while. We'll likely live under a rock for a little bit of time and see how this thing progresses.
0: Yes, I have all my work gear home with me now. I was told pack everything up and take it home again, Chris, You got out work from home again we know you've been itching to do it anyway which I really wasn't um so I've actually enjoyed going into the office maybe the last couple days were a little bumpy but uh other other than that I think everybody kind of feels that as as you get towards the holiday season and I was somebody went on vacation early and I was on call so I was kind of like ready for for a bit bit of a break there by the end but Mm. other than that uh it's nice nice to be back in the office and uh although I I find it so I still find it weird because I mean You know, as you know, Shane, I'm somebody who has facial expressions and to be, to have my mask on, sometimes I'd be saying stuff to people and they're just like looking at me and I'm like, oh, it's because you can't see my face. This is, and so I'd start describing my face is doing this. People are like, you're really strange. Okay. All right. I was, I was going to ask, did you get any observing? I'm kind of, kind of skipping ahead. Looks like you got some Christmas gift. I see a Nikon, what's a Nikon DS wide 16. What is this thing?
1: Well, Chris, great question. So,
0: yeah, um, the weather here is
1: awful right now in terms of, you know, how cold it really is outside and uh, it's getting colder this week. So this is the time where we kind of hunker down and enjoy the infrared saunas or whatever else goes on. But um, I, I, I had two purchases uh, that were delivered just right before Christmas, actually. Um, one of them is this Nikon DS wide eyepiece. And Nikon built this for their ED spotting scopes. And, Mm -hmm. um, they have a, there's a few of like, there's a, the DS wide series and basically, you know, each of these eyepieces are a different focal length. Um, and what happens with, um, uh, Nikon spotting scopes. And I think a lot of spotting scopes that have, uh, interchangeable eyepieces is it's not like a telescope, like a telescope has, you know, a, a compression ring or a set screw that makes, the the swapping of eyepieces is very quick. Um, The Nikon spotting scopes, it's not really like that. Like the eyepiece screws into the scope um, Mm. and then depending on the focal length, because they have a few different versions of these spotting scopes, you you have different magnifications. So the one that I have is 16 times, 24 times, or I think 30 times, depending which Nikon spotting scope you have. Mm. Um, Now, what some astronomers have done is they've taken these spotting scope eyepieces and then have adapted them for astronomical use. Now, uh, a lot of these spotting scope eyepieces do not have like inch and a quarter barrels or two inch barrels. They have whatever is proprietary to their maker. Um, so, so you have to figure out how you can make it work in an astronomical telescope. Um, the Leica Aspheric zoom is another example of one of these spotting scope eyepieces that astronomers have taken over to the dark side, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, with that bad joke behind me, I will carry on. Um, so the, the Nikon MC2 zoom that I've talked about that I own is another spotting scope eyepiece. And it happens to have a 23 millimeter barrel on it, which is um, uh, very similar or or the same actually as a number of microscope eyepieces. And this is another area where some astronomers will take microscope eyepieces and, and use them in their telescopes. And because of that, there are a number of 23 millimeter, two inch and a quarter adapters that you can buy. So anyway, I have a couple of those lying around the house because of this MC2 Zoom. And when I saw this, uh, uh Nikon DS wide eyepiece, I was kind of intrigued by it. Um, uh, because well, I guess the number one reason, well, two reasons it's super light, it's 170 grams. Um, the other reason is the, um, the Nikon nav SW series of eyepieces, which is for astronomy telescopes. Um, there's, there's a 17 and a half millimeter focal length eyepiece in that series, and this Nikon DS wide 16 that I have is also a 17 and a half millimeter focal length. And from what I read online, the, the nav eyepiece, the 17 and a half nav is basically the DS wide eyepiece or based on the mm. DS wide eyepiece with, you know, different housing. So, so that kind of intrigued me. Um, and then maybe the last kicker is, uh, there's a retailer here in Canada uh, that has this eyepiece, the regular price is like around four hundred or four hundred and fifty dollars, but right now it 's on sale for a hundred dollars brand new for this eyepiece. Wow. So I thought, you know huh. what i 'll take my chances on that and i 'll see if I can make this thing work. like I had no idea what the barrel diameter was on this eyepiece. yeah, um, but I thought for that price i 'll play around with it and um, so i get I get this thing just before Christmas. And it's a very, very snug fit in my twenty-three millimeter to inch and a quarter adapter, but it it does fit, it does work, um, but it's it sits a lot higher up in the adapter than it would in the spotting scope, and um, I can't really describe it well on air. You'll just have to trust me there. Um, so I wasn't sure if I could achieve focus, um, but I did throw it in my uh, Takahashi seventy-six millimeter. Um, and you know, the, the only test was through my window I didn't want to go outside in the <laughs> freezing temperatures. So it's not a great test, but I was able to get focus, which, oh, is, yeah. uh, you know, a, a, a key thing. So, so more to come, I need to, um, uh, you know, get it out under a dark sky and, and see what it does.
0: Huh? Well, that's really cool. Yeah. If, I've heard uh, great things about those eyepieces, and uh, yeah, similar similar to you, I'd heard that the um, the newer astronomical version was uh, was based on based on those. So, wow, well, that, that's pretty cool. Sounds you get a pair of binoculars as well, there, tell us about those.
1: Yeah, um, are, can you can you maybe stop sharing your screen, Chris? Oh, yeah.
0: yeah, you can't. What did it do?
1: When once that kicked in, all of a sudden I was hearing an echo. I don't oh. Know
0: weird. Yeah. yeah. Anyway,
1: anyway, I'll carry on. Oh, actually the echo's actually. still there. Hopefully it doesn't come through in the recording, but
0: I don't hear it. Well, that's <laughs> well,
1: good. That's good. <laughs> um, so yeah. Um, binoculars, I got the, uh, uh another pair of those Bushnell broad fields that I talked about in the past. Uh, are six by 25, 11 degree field of view, and they're like kind of an exoskeleton binocular. Like they don't have the housing that everybody would be you know, familiar with when looking at binoculars. Um, so they're super cool. I love the looks of them. Um, the reason why I acquired a second pair um is well, there's a few reasons. There's always a few reasons with me. <laughs> but um the original pair that I have, the focus is not like a traditional center focus that most binoculars have. Uh you focus each one of the oculars, um, and, and that's how you focus the binoculars. Now, it works, but it's not great for like, you know, if you're birding or if you're needing to change the focus because of different distances, it's kind of a pain. Um, so as such, you know, those binoculars have largely sat on the shelf. Uh, and then I learned that Bushnell did make a center focus, version of those binoculars. And of course, you know, as luck would have it, one of these appeared on eBay. Um, and what's really cool about the set that I got is they are essentially unused, uh, came in the original box, all of the original bags, uh, like plastic wrap, all of that kind of stuff, the original lens cleaning cloth. Um, but what also is cool is it came with the original invoice or the receipt from 1969. Um, these things were 3895 in 1969, which I think, you know, if you do the, how much is a bread, a loaf conversion, um that was no small purchase uh, you know back then uh which indicates you know a bit of the quality. Um oh yeah and another thing I should mention about these just as a reminder they were made by uh, Pentax essentially um the what is it the a- Asahi I think uh, optical company um is who made it and um, um as such the 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 quality of the optics is quite good especially on axis. Um, so anyway, these things work extremely well. Um, you know, the center focus is, is, is quite nice. Um, you, you have a diopter adjustment, you know, to, uh, compensate for, you know, different, uh, uh different seeing in your eyes. Um, so yeah, I, I'm really thrilled with them, but again, it's, it's been a little cold. I haven't really taken them outside, just some views out the window to, to, uh, to test them out. So so a couple new pieces of, of gears, some toys for me to play with and, uh, cool. Yeah. yeah.
0: Cool. yeah good stuff. Yeah. I'd like to, like to see this sometime. For yeah, sure. for sure. For sure. Yeah. It has been cold. <laughs> That's for sure.
1: Yeah. And getting colder.
0: Yeah. So on Christmas Eve, that was, that was the only night recently it was clear. And, um, and, and if, if, even if it hadn't been as cold as it was and probably, you know, after we had, we had our Turkey on Christmas Eve and uh, yeah, I just wasn't really up for going out and, uh, and observing on Christmas Eve. Uh, Anyway, it was minus 33 with the wind here, Mm. but now that means you can add uh, another negative five degrees Celsius to that uh, to go out on, on the observing site. So, you know, minus, minus 38 out there probably, and, uh, and you were saying like, it's getting colder. Yeah. I think, I think we're forecast to be minus 42 here with the wind chill. Um, and then it's actually, I think, I think there's times in the week where it gets pretty close to minus 40 without the wind chill. which by the yeah. way, folks, that's, that's the same in Fahrenheit and Celsius, I think.
1: Yeah. Tomorrow, tomorrow night, Monday night, we're supposed to be minus 37, uh, for an overnight low. Yeah. And I think our hottest temperature during the weekdays is minus 26. Yes. Something like that. But yeah, hey, my, Chris, the good news,
0: every no night bug. is clear. <laughs> is it? I, I, I think it's going to snow. It's supposed to snow today, though. That's Yeah, t-
1: tonight is snow, but then I think it clears for the week.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it's really hard in the gear. I, I've damaged my five-inch scope at those temperatures. I have a crack in it because the uh, tube ring squeezed it too hard at minus 40. And Yeah, yeah. It's, no, I, it's not good for the equipment.
1: I I don't like messing around, excuse me, with any gear at those temperatures. Um, The only thing I would use would be binoculars and, and even binoculars, like you, you, when you get out of the vehicle, you have to focus them real quick because the grease, yeah, yeah, freezes up and and it becomes either completely locked or so like, you know, sort of tight that you can't really focus it anyway. So,
0: yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. So challenges abound, but um, I'm going to try to get out for a little bit of observing this week and.
0: Yeah. Let's see what I can see. Yeah. I might uh, take my, take my, uh, TAC FS60 because it works great at those temperatures. No problem. Even with the original TAC focuser on it. So, uh, yeah, I might, might do that. I got to go and try to look for that tripod leg out at my observing set anyway. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Kick, kick around in the snow and do you have a metal detector. Cause I think we got, there's a lot of snow out there now.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. Is, is it aluminum or, or would it take a magnet?
0: It's aluminum. Like, it's yeah, the same as your yeah. tripod leg. And anyway, mm, yeah. I, I think I lost about uh, uh, whatever it is, the little insert and then the rubber tip and then the thing that sticks out the end of it. I think it all just, just lifted out and in the dark at six o'clock in the morning, whatever it was, seven o'clock in the morning, I was packing up after looking at the comet that morning. Yeah, I think uh, I think I left it there. I'm, I'm sure it's still there. It just, it might be there until spring. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: Well, good luck, sir. That'll be a, yeah. that'll be like a needle in a haystack.
0: Yeah, I hope to uh, to figure something out. I might might uh, just use another tripod, but get get set up here in the yard. I want to get some uh, Mercury observing in because we're going to have uh, some pretty good opportunities to see Mercury here coming up uh, here in the next uh, couple weeks. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, always always enjoy that. And I was sent home. Um, I was, I was good. I was just sent home because of the, uh, the Omicron variant, um, for this period of time. So I'm like, Hey, I will be able to get up and observe Mercury in the morning. And then, um, you know, just, just start my work day because, uh, it's dark here until about quarter after eight, I think it's dark enough to observe. So, mm-hmm. uh, we are that far North folks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a... Yeah. Good, good and bad with that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think sunrise is nine 14 or something. a.m. So, <laughs> yeah, you can observe until after eight AM here. Uh, let's see. I got the Herschel book. Is this the one from Australia? Is it from Australia? I I, I don't know. I thought I ordered it from the UK through oh. through the US, but okay, okay. Uh, but it, you know, it, it's sort of come out in different different places uh, from Wolfgang um, Oh, Yeah, that one. No, I was thinking of the Southern Hemisphere one. Sorry. Oh yeah, no, um, I, I'm I I'd totally forgotten about that one. That one's inbound somewhere.
1: Yeah, I, I ordered that one as well. So I'm, yeah.
0: yeah, you haven't seen yours either, I. Eh? No,
1: no, I'll text you when it comes.
0: Yeah, uh, well, the Herschel book arrived. That's that's the good news. Um, the bad news is it's it's very large. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. You you said
1: it's about the size of two volumes of the, uh, what's NSOG night, night sky
0: observer. Observer. Yeah. Night sky observer's guide. It's, it's about the size of two. That's huge. Like that thick. Yeah. Maybe like, and, and it's, it's, it's this really heavy stock paper too. So it probably weighs closer to about like a full set of three of those. It is, it is just phenomenally heavy. I could not get over how large it is. So like, it's kind of unfortunate because like you would never be able to like, Oh, I'll just lie in bed and read this thing. That is not going <laughs> to be a realistic kind of uh, thing. So it, it it's kind of unfortunate because like, what I'll have to do is I'll have to bring it up to my office here where I have a raised, I have a raised table. I work at it. I probably shouldn't. Um, but I have a raised table for sketching on mm-hmm. and, and doing other astronomy stuff so that the stuff is is closer to, to your, you know, facing that when you're, you know, doing whatever you're doing. And it's, and it's good for doing the podcast because my, my monitor's up nice and high and I have my, uh, all my podcasting gear here set up, but anyway, I'll have to like bring it up here and set it up on a table and kind of, you know, read it. Just I'll almost have to get like a, like an oil lamp or something to read. I don't know. It's going to be pretty old timey to read. And, uh, that's unfortunate. I was, uh, I was uh, a little bit disappointed at the size of the book. Like I couldn't even flip through it. Like, it's not like, Oh, just flip through it or whatever. Like I got to like set it up even like, like you couldn't really put it on your lap and it just, it's just not going to happen. It's, it's got to weigh. the thing's got to weigh eight eight or nine pounds or something. It's quite, you think I'm kidding. It's, it's really quite ridiculous. Actually. I got it. And I'm like, this is kind of disappointing. So, um, Maybe it needed a little bit of an edit or something. I, I don't know what to say. Somebody had mentioned that to me. They were like, when they found out I ordered it, um, my friend Randall said, it's good, but maybe it needed an edit. And I'm like, well, that's a funny thing to say. And I go, I'm like, yep, yeah, it's really too big. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so yeah, but uh, yeah, I was looking at some. Uh, some footage of the, uh, Webb space telescope getting launched on Christmas, uh, Christmas day. So it was great. We got a space telescope for Christmas finally, Shane, <laughs> yeah.
1: super excited about James Webb telescope. Um, unfortunately, you know, the launch was, was, you know, that was really cool. But the unfortunate part is now we wait probably, you know, what, six months until we really see anything from that telescope. Cause it'll take them a little while to calibrate it and get everything set up. Yeah. And um, you know, fingers crossed that there's not a Hubble incident because I believe when when Hubble was first uh deployed and and you know tried to activate there was an issue with the camera or something like that that uh you know delayed its use or, or start of usage uh for a considerable amount of time. So hopefully James Webb is you know deployed and and everything goes off without any issues and then we can start, you know, realizing the, you know, the ability of this thing and what it will, uh, you know, what it will show of the universe.
0: Yeah. Well, they, uh, I think what happened with Hubble, I think they had a number of challenges. I think one was, one was with the camera. Mm -hmm. Um, but one was that they didn't, um, do like the final, um, testing on the final figure of the mirrors to save quite a bit of money. And, and so the mirror wasn't quite coming to focus in, in the right spot and, and all the, all the images were, were blurry was basically uh, myopic. Mm-hmm. And uh, and then they had to create a, a lens system, and uh, forget the guy's name who went up to to fix it. They kept having him on the Big Bang Theory. I remember for a long time. And uh, anyway, so so they went up and put a put a, a they swapped something out and then put this lens in. So instead of having like a camera in one of the contraptions, it, it had a lens that just sort of sat in there permanently. Um, anyway, yeah. So so that's what happened. I want to play this short video. Play this. I wonder if this works. Can you see my screen now? Uh, yep. Uh, so I was I was freezing here and just kind of looking around on online, and mm. this this telescope making video came up, and I was just like, "This is so amazing." Yeah, yeah. I Did you this. you watch this? So you know you, you won't be people won't be able to see this, but the the sound the sound is really where where it's at anyway. So so I'm gonna play it. So uh, we'll see if it works. Can you our hear
2: it? Yep. To this uncultivated, rather depressing stretch of countryside, not far from London, but to all intents and purposes in the middle of nowhere, even the most top secret activities could pass unnoticed. Hearing about this hidden underground rendezvous, we laid in wait for our mysterious early morning caller and grimly determined followed him.
0: So this this guy drives up in a very European car. <laughs> then he pulls out a giant telescope mirror and heaves it up onto his head. door like, open. I guess theft probably isn't big enough. And he goes into what looks like a- pond. It
2: had occurred to us that this must be a cunningly concealed wartime air raid shelter. But the war had been over for fifteen years. And what was that, that was suspicious-looking it. object the stranger was carrying?
0: This guy's wearing a full suit to so it's very
2: impressive, and it's like drifting. However, and... Although this is the most unusual sight we've ever encountered for a factory, there's quite a simple explanation. The work carried out here is so precise that a constant temperature is necessary, and in this underground shelter, it never varies winter or summer. You can see his Neither breath Neither is there eh? any mystery about the work itself. The men here belong to a Coolsden Surrey firm, which manufactures telescopes. The round object we saw being brought in was, of course, a mirror. I think we need
0: music like this for the parts of our project. The podcast.
2: construction of a telescope can take as long as 18 months, that is, apart from the giant ones which naturally take longer. So we're only showing a small section of the work, during which a 20-inch mirror is finally polished. Men like Frederick Hargreaves here are used to working to such microscopic limits that the degree of error on the mirror's concave area can never be more than 1 20th of a wavelength of sodium light. Or, to the layman, 1 2 millionth of an inch. That guy could have had a job working in a bank.
0: There's not like, painting on the slurry while this grinding machine is going
2: away. (laughs) The telescope, as we know it, hasn't changed very much since the days of Newton, having a primary concave mirror and a secondary reflector. And although much of the public's imagination has been captured recently by the radio telescope, their uses and consequent value are quite separate and complement each other. At this stage, incidentally, the silver compound is added to the polished glass.
0: So it shows them like silvering a mirror with all these
2: caustic uh, chemicals. If it's, it's just, just a looking glass, this is obviously them. not the place to come. environmentalism Mirrors like these reflect not being the dreams today, of all those who look to the heavens for the future
0: of mankind. Oh, there you go, Shane. There's your your new telescope mirror.
1: Yeah, now I can make a mirror. How about that?
0: <laughs> I just thought that video was amazing. And at the end, when they were dumping all the chemicals down the drain, I was like, "Oh no! Hopefully, there's no fish down downstream. Maybe they're they're capturing that underneath the sink. I, I don't know. <laughs> Hope, hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. hopefully. So, yeah, I thought that was. Uh, I just thought the sound of that video was, was so incredible, but, uh, any, anyhow, um, I got my next copy of Sky and Telescope magazine. It's pretty good Been enjoying uh, reading those. And then I also found out, um, that I I can get astronomy magazine digitally for 21 days each month from the library here.
1: Well, that's kind of handy. Um, can you, can you view it on a tablet or do you need like a special special app, app, like download or something?
0: Well, just like their app. So I have a tablet, so it's no problem. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Okay, I'll
1: yeah. Check so that so out. yeah. Check
0: out. Yeah. If you have an iPad or something like that, you should, uh, should be able to, uh, to take, take a look at it. So yeah, I'm getting, I, I have the digital version. I got the digital version of sky and telescope first, and then the actual physical edition started, started trailing in, but, uh, I just found like, I got to admit, I'm not a big fan of the digital versions. I like to, I Like to kind of just have it and and read it, and then the other thing, and I can't stress this enough, and Sky and Telescope does a pretty good job at this, is they have lots of uh, finer charts for for different things that you can see in the sky. And uh, often, what I do is I kind of go out and trash my uh, my copies because you know I'll just be like, oh, I'll just use those those finder charts for finding you know whatever. I know they have a good chart in there of uh, Comet Borelli and. Uh, and asteroid iris and, and some other stuff that's in there. And I'm like, yeah, I'll just, you know, take these out in the field with me. And, you know, it's, it's sort of limited lifespan uh, information anyway. So I'll get my use out of it and then recycle it or whatever. And uh, yeah, I, you know, really, really excited to, to kind of have those in hand again. Yeah. It's pretty
1: cool. That's awesome. That's awesome.
0: Yeah. So we, we had an email from Peter back on December 6th. And I really wanted to, uh, to put this in because he recently bought, I think, one of the more interesting uh, little telescopes after using an, an inexpensive refractor for a while. And uh, anyway, uh, do you want to read it, Shane? Um,
1: oh, yeah, actually, you know what? That echo is back. And uh, why, why okay, don't you why read it?
0: it? Okay, I'll, I'll go ahead and read it. So Peter says, uh, hi, Chris and Shane, just a quick update on some recent things that I did. Uh, we went to Sholo, Arizona in the White Mountains for Thanksgiving, and uh, they said uh, it would be Bortle 4, but at the place they were at, it was really dark. And he brought along his, uh, I think it's a SB Boney 48. I'm not really sure what what refractor that is exactly. But he said, to be honest, pointing that scope at the sky was akin to drinking from a fire hydrant because it was so dark. And that uh, he said, I mostly did some observing around the Hyades and Pleiades, uh, and didn't get anything useful on series, but uh, he's got a much clearer idea of the region now. And then he wrote that he took a flyer on an AstroTech seventy ED for three hundred dollars, and he sent a photo of it. And this is a beautiful looking little telescope, and I've heard great things or read great things about the the AstroTech seventy ED. And at that price, I was I was very interested in it because an AstroTech seventy ED. And I know they, they've had a few uh, different versions of this over the years. I think there was a 70 and a 72 and different things. I guess the most recent one is a, is a 70. Um, but that telescope is less than my ST80 was um, with uh, with the focuser that I put on. I put on like a very inexpensive aftermarket focuser. But once I paid for the $100 telescope and the $130 Focuser and the shipping for everything, it probably would have come into about three hundred dollars, and maybe getting like an AstroTech seventy ED. Um, well, I think that would have been a better uh, a better option there. So Peter goes on to say uh, it's under twelve inches long and weighs about four pounds, and it has ED glass. So this is uh, high quality glass, basically. Um, and he said that that greatly reduces the CA or the secondary color, and what that means is that you're really uh, able to observe planets in high uh, magnification and in great detail. And he goes on to say, "I was able to observe Venus and Saturn with it using a six millimeter eyepiece in a three X Barlow, so that's giving him like a two millimeter. Which, uh, yeah, I think a uh, four millimeter would give him hundred. So he's about two hundred power, I think. Uh, I think if I'm doing this right." And uh, so he said, this is well above the 138 maximum stated useful magnification. um, But he had a really nice clear night and said that Venus showed as a clear, bright crescent. Uh, And then he said for Saturn, he can make out the Cassini divisions and the shadow of the planet on the rings. He said the scope is exceptionally well-crafted and finished for the price, and well-finished for the price. Uh, The two-speed focuser is a rack and pinion, uh, and it is buttery smooth. So he said he also made progress with aligning his C-GEM mount, because um, I on to talk a little bit about that. And then finally, uh, he's been thinking about getting a 40 millimeter eyepiece for his uh, C uh, Celestron 9.25. And he figured he would need a two inch barrel to get a decent field of view. So he, uh, he purchased a new Orion diagonal and a Myoptric, uh 40 millimeter, two inch eyepiece. And he says, I use this to look at the Orion Nebula. And it was fantastic. I could see almost as much nebulosity as in pictures uh, that he had taken earlier. Then he said uh, all the best. So that's that's pretty cool. Um, that I don't know. Did you, do you remember the photos of the shin? I tried to put them in, but for some reason, they wouldn't transfer into our show notes. But it it's an awesome looking little telescope. It's white, but then it, it has a gray focuser and gray accents. It almost looks like one of the older um, TMB uh, Thomas back telescopes sort of has that, that kind of motif, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's a really nice looking telescope. And, uh, you know, I think 70 millimeter is a really good aperture. Aperture. You know, if I didn't have have a 76 and a 60, uh, Mm -hmm. I think I I would own a 70 and then maybe from a 70 go up to a hundred or something like that. I I just think that's a a great, uh, small telescope that can do a lot of you know, a lot of things, uh, you know, it's very portable, but it can pull in, uh, you know, a lot of the, the deep sky stuff and, and show you the planets. It, you know, it's kind of an all around good telescope.
0: Yeah. And I think as well, I think it has about the same focal length. I think it's 400 or 420 millimeters, give or take. And uh, I, you know, I really think that that is um, a, a telescope that would, would very likely not having compare them both, but um, by all reports and including this one, uh, that's a telescope that uh, I think might outperform, like uh, the the venerable ST80, which is just an 80 millimeter f5 Acromat. Um, But sometimes I, I think we lose a little bit of the aperture on the ST80s, and they are really inexpensive. But once you configure them with a focuser and and proper rings and that sort of thing, I think you're pretty much looking at around three hundred dollars or so, anyway. Which you know, um, up until you know years ago, that was pretty good price for a small, um, low power wide field instrument that that's reasonably capable. And that's, that's Mm -hmm. where the ST80 really excels. Um, but now with something like this in that same price point, um, I think it's, in in my opinion, I think it becomes pretty difficult to, to make the decision to go to the ST80, especially now where it's difficult to get those focusers. I know when I bought mine, I think my focuser was, I want to say it was like 138. That might be Canadian. And then my telescope was about was about the same Canadian, so it was like two eighty, and then I had to get um, rings and a plate or something like that. So I think once it was all sort of rolled in with shipping, I think I I'd be, I would have been pretty close to that three hundred dollar um, uh, point. And I think the the way the uh, this uh, AstroTech seventy millimeter ED comes in, I think. Uh, I think it includes some of these accessories, although I I, I don't know. I I know the accessories tend to change. He even had it looks like maybe it came with a little case and, and, uh, accessories like that. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Um, I have Peter's email. How's the echo now, Shane, are we, are we still echoing?
1: I think it's corrected now. Yeah. I don't hear it.
0: Okay. Do you want to read uh, Charles?
1: Yeah, sure. So, uh, he says, Merry Christmas. Uh, I am a bit behind on listening to your shows. However, I listened to your show, just posted uh, the the Christmas show uh, while out running errands this morning, as always, nicely done. Um, I've had better luck with observing weather than you've had. Uh, Comet Leonard is putting on a show and uh, still showing complex streamers uh, that can be traced from the coma through the tail. Last night, it was spectacular. Uh, I observed with another amateur astronomer, David, um, I used my 152 millimeter refractor uh, with a F4 80 millimeter Richfield telescope mounted on the tube. Uh, though David normally also uses a 150 millimeter refractor or a C11, uh, he had driven uh, to the darkish site from work, so he brought his portable C90 spotting scope on an Altaz mount. Uh, the big refractor view was complex, bright, and thrilling. Uh, the view through the little Mac Cassegrain, while not as bright nor as detailed, was still amazing. Uh, the low power, rich field telescope and the F8 152 millimeter made for some fascinating comparison views. Uh, although neither of us could see the comet naked eye, we did follow uh, through binoculars until it set behind the distant tree line. Um, After losing Leonard, we did the planet tour of Venus, Saturn, Jupiter, Neptune, and uh, Uranus. uh, And to round out uh, the tour, swept up Ceres, uh, which is in a beautiful part of the sky, flanked by the Hyades and Pleiades. Um, Excuse me. Uh, Before Moonrise, I went after the other bright comet, uh, which is P19 uh, Borelli. Uh, It's somewhere between magnitude 9.5 and 10 and looks uh, like tiny, faint uh, will of the wisp at a hundred times in my refractor. Uh, Spent the time remaining before moonrise, galaxy hopping around the sky. Uh, It was a grand night. Um, I inadvertently left my bag with logbook atlases and drawing kits at home. Uh, So once I got home, I jotted down some notes and looked back at my previous Comet Leonard observations and discovered this was my 20th observing session targeting Leonard uh, since I started watching in November. That's, uh, that's amazing. Um, I don't know anybody that's come anywhere near 20, 20 times, uh, observing, uh, Leonard. So, uh, congrats to you, Charles. That's, uh, that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, And then, uh, just, Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, then he just finishes it off saying, I hope you both have a a great Christmas and clear night soon, uh, with a light and balmy breeze. Uh, Merry (laughs) Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And, and, you know, that, that's one of the cool things right now with Leonard is, you know, as soon as Leonard's done, you sort of work your way up the chain through the planets and, uh, you know, there's a lot to look at right now.
0: Yeah. I think Charles is sort of in, in more, more of the Southern, uh, States, it's all Southern States almost entirely from us, except for Alaska. Um, so, but yeah, he's, he's down, um, and, and able to, to really get some, uh, some good, I guess a better angle maybe on, on Leonard. I'm surprised he's been able to, to watch it for so long in these evenings. Now before, you know, when it was in the morning sky, um, I thought, well, that's, you know, good for him for getting up and, and doing that. But, you know, now that he's really uh, tracking it through the evening sky, that's, uh, that's pretty impressive. And uh, he's also sent us along. Um, I think he sent us at least three or four sketches um, over the past uh, month or so, which is, which is really cool. Cause um, I've been able to observe it twice. I've tried to observe it, uh, I think five or six times, but it just, uh, you know, poor cloud and I guess our, our slightly, uh, less favorable, favorable placement and the really, really cold weather, um, has, uh, has mixed into, to prevent me from seeing it even you know, on most of my, my occasions where I've been able to get out. Um, so that's really awesome, uh, to kind of get that, uh, ongoing narrative of what comet, uh, Leonard is doing pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it must be amazing for Charles to see the comet evolve because, um, you know, as these comets get brighter and brighter, they change almost nightly and, and, you know, to observe it that much, you, you'll see all of the subtleties uh, throughout its evolution.
0: Yeah, no, really, really neat. So thanks Charles. And thanks everybody. Uh, had, you know, other, other emails that have come in, but uh, I think we're starting to get, uh, towards the, the end of this, uh, this show here. And, uh, yeah, I think you mentioned this earlier, Shane, but we're going to meet up, uh, later this week, I think Wednesday, and we'll, uh, we're going to have a chat about uh, maybe some of the other things that, that we can do with, with the podcast, which is really great because, uh, of the support from listeners, not only, uh, those that have been Patreon supporters, but th- those who provide content, you know, one of the things that I think you and I were really concerned about when we were doing this is we do get into these spells where either it's just so cloudy sometimes for for a couple of weeks, um, or it's so cold and cloudy like it's been um, that it's really just not possible for us to get out and do astronomy. I think we were a little bit concerned that you know we uh, we just wouldn't have the observing content mm-hmm. um, to include. So with uh, you know with our listeners out there being generous with their own observations, it it provides that that real uh, content and the detail. I, I never could have imagined that that we would receive um so so much detail from the listeners to make them um to make you know their observations so uh so detailed that uh that that you know then we can really talk about it and really feel like we've seen it, especially when we've been able to get out a little bit um and view something like uh like this comet and then, then able to kind of follow it along um, with Charles and and some of the other observers who've who've sent in their own observations, really, really neat.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love everything, you know, what you just said. Um, and and I'll add one more. Um, the, the other thing that I really enjoy about all of the observing reports that we get is, um, a number of times people are are observing things you and I are not, or things that we're not even talking about. And it just brings more awareness to, uh, some, some stuff that I want to look at. And a great example is the email that we just read from Charles, uh, comet P19 Borelli wasn't even on my radar, um, but I yeah. think I will try to take a look at this one now, uh, just based on uh, on his observation.
0: Yeah, and I put it in the objects to observe in uh, in the January sky that uh, that we're going to do here in a few minutes. Uh, it'll be a few days for people hear that, but mm-hmm. um, you know, one of the challenges, especially with comets and some of the other stuff, is how how visible is this? You know, you read it in a magazine. I know Sky and Telescope had it in there, and I, I've seen it online a bit. Um, but but how readily visible is it? And, and with Charles detailing that out, um, it, it brings it to, to our level, right? Like this is something people can go out and see. So then instead of maybe just touch gun or whatever, like I put a decent section in the objects to observe in, uh, in the January sky because, um, well, one, it's something our listeners are observing. And then two, um, it's sort of proven out that you can see this in small telescopes already. So by the time uh, people get that podcast, um, it will definitely be a target that maybe people, um, are going to be able to go and look at. So here, here we go. You know, it, it's sort of, uh, an observation that's going to lead, hopefully, uh, well, it's going to lead to podcast, um, information, and then it's going to lead to maybe, well, at least for us, we're going to go out and try to take a look at it. So, um, you know, future, future information in, in the podcast. So it's pretty cool. Good content. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Cool. So, uh, you know, it would be great to hear from, from our listeners if, uh, if they have any, if you guys out there have any suggestions on, on the show and stuff you might want to, uh, want to hear or have included. I think, uh, you know, it, it definitely does make for a better podcast when you find out what people are doing uh, under the nighttime sky. Um, The thing that really surprised me this fall was when we put the bit out about um, observing minor planets, which was something I know we kind of hemmed and hawed a little bit on Shane. We weren't sure what the uptake would be like on that, but then it turned out that a lot more people are observing asteroids and minor planets than I would have (laughs) thought.
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, uh, same thing. Right. I, and I think we maybe mentioned it at one point, but it, it's probably just our bias because I don't think you and I spend a lot of time looking at them. We're, you know we're usually looking at other deep sky objects. and um, it's just it, it's such a diverse hobby. It's cool when, when other people are very interested in a certain category of objects like minor planets. and it certainly um, came through and we started talking about Ceres.
0: Yeah. So I'd like going forward what, what this is, um, you know, kind of prompting me to do is, is okay. What what asteroids or minor planets are at opposition this month and to make up a finder for those, which I, I honestly really wasn't doing before. And so again, um, just hearing what people are observing and what they're doing, um, is kind of helping, helping to shape not only the podcast, but my own, my own observing. I'm not sure if I would have gone out and tried for, for a comet Leonard, as much without uh without all the emails from people saying like they're they're having success. And you know, I gotta admit, part of it is like, you know, y- you get these emails and you're like, I gotta go see this myself, you know, kind of thing. Right. Like, you know, I-, I can't be the only one who doesn't see it, kind of thing, is mm-hmm. is one of the things that spurs me on. Or I'm like, huh, is that really visible? Or, you know, h- how would I see it through my own instruments? And you know, it kind of really, really does motivate and prompt me to get out. Um, maybe even a little bit more than I otherwise would. I'm, I'm pretty dedicated to getting up and going observing, even in the middle of the night or whatever. But uh, you know, it, you know, when when I know that other observers are out there doing that, um, even though I'm I'm by myself and uh, you know trying to to avoid the animals in the dark or whatever, um, you know, it it really is, is sort of inspiring. You know, to hear from from the listeners and and what they're doing under the nighttime sky, and, it, and it's kind of something I think about when I'm out there, you know, I'm out there sitting at my telescope and I'm probably, you know, at least several hundred, if not thousands of kilometers away from the next person, um, in the podcast who's listening, but I'm like, yeah, probably, you know, so-and-so is out tonight, wherever they are. And, and they're looking at this object at the same time I am, which that that's pretty, uh, you know, sort of unique amongst, I think, uh, hobbies and other activities, um, to be able to actually, uh, both be looking at that at the same time, or, or many of us looking at that same thing at the same time, uh, give or take maybe a few minutes or hours or whatever. It's sort of a unique experience that we can all share.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it's really cool. I think when we share our observations, or when we read out other people's observations, and then you know we can all sort of compare what we're seeing versus what other people are seeing, and and in a way, you're 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 virtually experiencing other gear too. Um, you know, I I don't own a 152 millimeter telescope, so it's interesting to see, to hear what Charles could see of the comet yeah. through his telescope, and it starts to give you a sense of what other uh, like telescopes and eyepieces and, and things like that um, can can show you, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Because especially in a pandemic, it's harder to get out and observe with a you know a big group of people. Um, you know, things are starting. Hopefully, you know, once we get past this Omicron, uh, you know, things will open up, but. Um, it's just a neat way to, again, share and, and experience the hobby.
0: Yeah, very cool. Anything else to add to this episode, Shane? No, that's everything, Chris. All right. Well, thanks, Shane. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Be sure to subscribe in your podcasting software if you haven't already. And uh, and our email address is actualastronomy at gmail.com. If you have any um, observations that you would like to share with us, we're happy to read them. As well, if you have any uh, suggestions for the show or show ideas, or uh, directions we can go uh, with the show in the future. We're kind of going through that cycle right now, where we're kind of reevaluating things and uh, and hopefully making things better and uh, and more fun for people to listen to as as we go forward into 2022. So with that, we'll thank everybody for listening.
1: Thank you, everyone, for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the show. If you are interested in more information, would like to contact us, or if you would like to support the podcast